Chapter Nine of The Smuggler of King's Cove. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathleen. The Smuggler of King's Cove by Sylvanus Cobb, J.N.R. A Compromise. Dear, dear Grandpa, he has been making you unhappy too. What has he done? what has he been saying to you tell me all about it the earl felt two warm loving arms around his neck and a dear treasured head pillowed on his bosom by and by he looked up and met the earnest beseeching gaze of his beautiful ward his grandchild of his heart the one true enduring love left to him in all the world oh cordelia my sweet child god and all the good angels keep and bless thee and then with many pauses and many tears he told the story of his interview with his grandson all save that part of it which had reference to the smuggler's son of that he spoke not yet when this had been told cordelia gave a truthful account of the interview in the arbor but she did not dwell upon it she hurried through with it as rapidly as possible and then broached a new subject Grandpa she said with a world of eager inquiry in look and tone you have heard these stories told of the old chapel of the monks on the crag about its being haunted and so on haven't you yes darling those stories are older than i am well what do you think about it what did you ever think of course you have had your thoughts really my dear child you puzzle me i hardly know how to answer I must have had a great many thoughts during all the years since in my boyhood i heard the first stories of the ghosts of the old chapel and there was one thing curious for many years for almost two score i should say those stories died out of late however within ten or a dozen years they have revived i remember it was during the very week of your father's death a number of our servants were frightened by a ghost the ghost they said of a gray friar wandering about the old ruin but but it was of course the veriest nonsense cordelia looked up into the old man's face searchingly she looked so sharply and with so much of meaning in the look that he shrank away from it and his eyes usually so honest and true wavered grandpa grandpa there is something you do not tell me what is it come you surely can have nothing that you would wish to hide from your darling child child why are you so eager ah tell me were you in the chapel through the storm why of course you were you told me so did you see anything grandpa i want you to answer me first you ought to you are the oldest and should take the lead tell me what was it you kept back from me once more after a little further hesitation the frank steady and straightforward look came back to the old earl's eyes and he said first casting a swift glance around cordelia the story i am going to tell you i have never told to anybody it has puzzled me and i have tried to solve the mystery involved but i have kept it to myself you will remember shortly before your father's death his old attorney john chudley came up to make the papers necessary to prove my appointment as your guardian and to make the will and so on you will remember also that his son charles came with him 
charles was at that time somewhere near twenty years old and he was observant and reliable as was his father well one day while they were here after the legal business had all been done those two the chudleys went off up the river after fish a sport of which they were fond and of which they got little at home they fished through the greater part of the day and on their way home they took a fancy to climb witch's crag suffice it to say they went up oh and got lost broke in the eager listener i remember the night and how frightened everybody was just such another night as it was last night am i not right entirely so darling they went up the crag and on their way down they lost the path the storm and darkness came and found them in sight of the chapel and there they sought shelter they had found some stone seats away in one corner where they sat down and waited for the storm to pass or at least for the rain to hold up a bit and now comes the wonderful part while they thus sat they were startled by the sound of somebody walking outside and presently afterward they were sure somebody had entered the chapel as luck would have it a few seconds later there came a stream of lightning that made the place as light as day and they plainly saw a human figure tall and large enveloped in the robe and cowl of a gray friar strangely enough not more than three seconds had passed when another flash came and this time they saw the friar close by the altar the third flash came in a few seconds more and the friar had vanished the mystery was what could have become of the strange intruder they father and son could both swear that he had not gone out by the door he could not have done it and they not know it the windows were beyond the reach of any man unless he had a ladder or a tall stepping-place of some kind to help him and yet he had gone vanished as into thin air on the next day they went to the chapel and i went with them and they there told the story over at the same time pointing out the different localities the course which the figure took and the point at the altar where he stood before he disappeared that is the story cordelia and i am free to confess that it has puzzled me that a person in the guise of a franciscan monk or grey friar entered the chapel on that evening i am confident also i cannot doubt that he made his way out without going by the vestibule or through a window and now my dear grandpa what do you think of it how do you think it was done to tell you the truth dear child i have thought there must be somewhere near that altar a secret trap an entrance in some way to hidden vaults or crypts below but you never found anything no i have searched at every possible point i have closely examined every seam and every crevice but nothing have i been able to find not a trace not a sign now grandpa if i will tell you something you will keep it to yourself won't you at least till i tell you otherwise certainly darling if there is good reason for it well there is the very best of reasons we agreed percy and i that we wouldn't speak of it until he had time to investigate but since you know so much you ought to know this too 
and thereupon she went on excitedly and vividly yet very clearly and succinctly to tell the story of the adventure of the previous evening oh she cried and when she had concluded the narrative i am glad it was percy if there is anything to be found be sure he will find it cordelia the girl started there was something in the tone in the manner in which her name had been less abruptly pronounced that sounded strangely to her it seemed to her as though she could detect pain in it cordelia you think a great deal of percy maitland what in the world did he mean had he read her secret did he know or did he suspect that she loved him loved him with all the love of her heart ah matthew had spoken his word had given the earl's thoughts direction she had hoped that the secret might be percy's and hers for a time longer and it would be an easy matter to deceive her questioner even now but could she do it could she in this hour when a holy love had sanctified and beautified her life take her first step in falsehood oh no no my dear child darling reaching out and taking her hand when a full minute had elapsed and she had not spoken you are not afraid of your dear old grandpa will you not trust him fully yes yes the noble girl answered she started to her feet and threw her arms around his neck and kissed him then having resumed her seat she looked frankly trustfully up and added ask me what you please dear grandpa and i will answer it if i can cordelia your generous tone your entire readiness to answer tells me that i too should be generous and confess to you my source of information it was matthew who put the thought into my mind and he did it most unkindly i knew it dear grandpa he taunted me or he meant to do so and he made terrible threats but they do not frighten me they did at first but they do not now dear dear old grandpa she cried impulsively after a short silence at the same time grasping his arm with both her hands would you could you ask me to marry with lord oakley oh my soul no did my father ever express a wish that i should marry with him no he never did do you believe he would have allowed such a thing had he been living i know very well he would not have allowed it so my child do you borrow no trouble because of your refusal of his suit grandpa do you believe he loves me alas i cannot believe that a true love of the heart a pure unselfish love is possible to his nature but let him pass tell me of this other of percy maitland what is he to you you know what i mean she had thought to answer promptly but when the moment came her heart was bounding too strongly for coherent speech she bent her head and pressed her hands over her bosom and by and by she had gained control of her emotions or at least of those that had overcome her she looked up with a warm radiant light in her truthful eyes and a rich rosy glow on her earnest lovely face dear grandpa don't be frightened don't have any fear and i pray you don't blame me until you have taken a good long time for thought and observation for i tell you in the outset while you live and need me i will not leave bless you darling for that and now i must confess to you i love percy maitland with all my heart and all my strength i love him as i never loved another as i never can love another 
with a love that would be my death if he were taken from me we never knew till yesterday and then in her frank bubbling manner with the ice broken she went on and told the story of the love passage on the crag and of how their love had been sealed in the old chapel the old man was deeply interested he felt his own youth come back with the one great love of his lifetime and he lived over again the ecstasy of the long ago and another thing the character and the behavior of the low-born youth stood out in flattering colors the earl could not put away his admiration for him he could not help respecting and esteeming him and again he found himself wishing oh that matthew had been like him yet there was another and sterner side to the subject could he allow the lady daughter of one of england's proudest wealthiest knights to marry with the son of a smuggler but even here the old earl his tender loving heart could find argument on both sides he called to mind the dying words of sir william his gentle daughter should never be urged to wed without love and he the earl had solemnly promised that he would never even ask her to do such a thing he remembered with a start how earnestly and feelingly the dying father of his fair ward had spoken of the misery that came from loveless marriage and here was the girl with a love in her heart that had become so much a part of her life that the loss of it would kill her were the man the son of a landed proprietor of an humble esquire or even of a wealthy farmer of a good family he might have hesitated but the son of an obscure seaman ay in truth the son of an outlaw oh it was too much cordelia my blessed child do you not see do you not understand this must not be think of it you know how i love you i do not exaggerate when i say i would willingly die for you then oh then you will believe i have only your best good at heart think who and what this man is think of his family his parentage do you not see grandpa i cannot quite understand it here am i with a heart capable of loving in my brief span of life i have become acquainted with two men and have been thrown more or less into their companionship in fact my relations with these two have been such that their friendship could not have been otherwise than valuable and very pleasant to me provided i had found them worth confidence and esteem one of those men was born the child of a smuggler he could not help it could he the question with me is what sort of man has the smuggler's son grown to be the other man dear grandpa was born of the son of stop stop oh i know what you would say ay and what sort of a man has he grown to be oh heaven have mercy dear grandpa rising to her feet and once more winding her arms around his neck let us say no more about the matter at this time you will not forbid me to associate with percy as i have heretofore done think what he has been to me my teacher and guide through all these years and what a teacher could there have been a nobler truer or purer guide you need not fear that i shall marry him without your knowledge and i am almost ready to say without your consent but let it be for now you may talk with my lover if you like but mind you shall not blame him mine is the blame if you have any to lay upon us there giving him another kiss now go and be as happy as you can be sure your darling will do nothing to give you pain if she can help it 
shall it not be so poor fond foolish old man he could not find it in his heart to say her nay and if the truth were told he felt greatly relieved that the matter had been thus pleasantly disposed of he told himself things would simply be as they had been if he would win his ward from the unfortunate love he would not do it by beginning now to make her miserable and unhappy he would wait who should say what of good the future might bring he kissed her and blessed her and the conference ended while this scene had been transpiring in the breakfast-room of the castle another of a somewhat different character had been taking place in the wood by the river not a great way off lord oakley had left his grandfather feeling about as angry as thoroughly mad with rage and passion as a naturally perverse and passionate man could be he went first to the butler's room and got a bottle of brandy which he took with him to his own apartment where he drank freely then he buckled on his sword and took his hat and went out he had no particular aim in view though his thoughts which he muttered aloud as he gained the open park were of the smuggler's son he could not believe that his grandfather would allow cordelia to marry with the outlaw's offspring but there was no telling what the girl herself might do so far as true love or real love of any kind was concerned he felt not a particular of it in his heart for his grandfather's fair ward but he had never seen a girl he had liked better and surely he had never seen one more beautiful in truth he did not believe there was a more beautiful woman in the kingdom at some time he would be earl of allerdale and he would want a mistress to preside over his household and cordelia chester was the one woman of all the world upon whom his choice had been fixed so it would not answer to suffer this young smuggler to bewitch her he was forced to acknowledge to himself that young maitland was about the handsomest young fellow he had ever met just the man he told himself for an impressionable young girl like cordelia to go crazy about upon my soul he muttered on i believe she would run away with him in a moment if she were crossed and just so long as the fellow is in the neighbourhood just so long will the old earl allow her to associate with him poor old fool he don't know what he is doing but i think i've put a flea in his ear yet for all that the girl can be fool him she can coax and wheedle him into anything i don't care how monstrous it is by there's one thing i can do ay and if the need shall come i will do it ha i was talking of him and here he is brandon had entered the wood at the edge of the park and was now in the path that ran along upon the shore of the river he had been muttering to himself as we have heard when on raising his eyes he beheld not far away the very man of whom he had been thinking and speaking coming toward him when percy lifted his eyes on hearing an approaching footstep and beheld lord oakley his first thought was to avoid him and he had half turned for the purpose of striking into the wood when it occurred to him that the act would not only appear cowardly but the young lord might take it as an affront at all events his second thought which he obeyed led him straight on and pretty soon they were face to face maitland had swerved to the right intending to pass but the other had stepped directly in front of him thus preventing the passage percy looked up in surprise surprise and indignation he saw that his lordship had been drinking and there was mischief in his black sunken eyes but the well-disposed youth 
would avoid trouble if the thing were possible and to that end he turned to the left making a movement to pass in that direction and again the young lord stepped in front of him thus interposing a second time End of chapter nine